Welcome back, everybody, to the Know-It-All Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Jerry, the Fantasy Football Know-It-All. You can find me on Twitter, at FFKnowItAll. Today, we're going to discuss the NFL Draft and how each pick affects the teams and players in the NFC. But first... I want to tell you guys about a podcast that I personally listen to on a regular basis. It's called The Morning Smoke CLT, and it's hosted by a good friend of mine, the very knowledgeable Gerald Anderson. If you enjoy sitting outside, taking in the weather with a beverage or even perhaps a smoke, and you enjoy an easygoing yet informative conversation, then The Morning Smoke CLT is for you. My Man G covers all types of topics that each of us can relate to, and he gives his opinion on on those topics. It's definitely an informative and all-encompassing podcast. Now, it's available on all the major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, all of the uh, all of those suspects. So make sure you check out My Man G and the Morning Smoke CLT. Trust me, guys, you'll be happy you did. So before we jump right into the draft, I do want to cover some news and notes from around the NFL. As most of us anticipated, the Cincinnati Bengals parted ways with longtime QB Andy Dalton. What we didn't really anticipate, though, at least I didn't, was that the Red Rifle would return to Texas, of all places, and sign a one-year deal with the Dallas Cowboys worth up to $7 million, of course with incentives. Now, There are many conspiracy theorists out there that feel that this was a direct message to Dak Prescott. I mean, I wouldn't put Jerry Jones past that, would you? Um, Certainly, the Cowboys are setting themselves up for the possibility that they will not reach an agreement with Prescott and he could hold out. So they have somebody with NFL experience who can step right in and at least uh, drive the ship steer the ship, as they say, while the uh, while the situation with Dak pre- uh, plays out. I guess we'll have to wait and see as things develop. On a smaller note, and really m- almost insignificant, Marquise Goodwin was traded from San Francisco to the Eagles. Now, this move does nothing at all for his fantasy value. Honestly, I think it, it makes it worse. And It certainly doesn't affect anybody on the Eagles, so we'll just go ahead and move right along. On the last podcast, I did mention how we were going to talk about the Green Bay Packers, and I posed the question as to why in the heck did they spend two picks, their first two picks, on a quarterback and a running back? On the surface, this looks terrible from a staffing standpoint. I mean, Green Bay has future Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers slinging the rock and he's still playing at a good level sure he had a a bad season for him uh, from a fantasy standpoint but the team did very very well so I don't think he's ready for replacing or being put out to pasture just yet and they have a dynamic young running back coming off of his best season ever and that's Aaron Jones so I see where everybody's coming from in bashing the Packers But I took a step back and looked at it from a football standpoint, and I'm not so sure this is that insane. If my theory proves correct, and you need to hear me out for it, um, then we'll have to see. But the Packers reached the Super Bowl back in 2010, of course, when they beat the Steelers. I I still am in pain over that uh, as a Steeler fan. But since then, they haven't even had a whiff of the Super Bowl. Now, of course... 
They are perennial favorites to either win or challenge for the uh, NFC North title. They've made it to NFC title games uh, very recently, uh, as we all know, and Aaron Rodgers still can play this game at a high level. However, he has not been able to take the team over the hump. Suppose for a second the Packers can trade Aaron Rodgers Yes, I did say that. Just I'll, I'll say it again. Suppose they can trade Aaron Rodgers. As crazy as that sounds, they could still get a good amount of, of value, trade capital, back for him to continue not rebuilding, but building. They, they did this when Brett Favre was there and they took Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to try the same approach here. Now, Peyton Manning is a prime example of this. He had some of his best seasons, or at least one of them, after uh, leaving Indianapolis and playing for Denver. So Matt LaFleur has said over and over again that he wants the Packers to focus on the run game more than the passing game moving forward, which leads me to the addition of A.J. Dillon, uh, the running back out of Boston College. That's another one people are screaming about. Uh, Aaron Jones had this great season, dynamic player. Yes, yes, yes. I get all that. But the six foot, uh, two hundred and fifty pound Dylan is an absolute beast. Um, some say he reminds them of Derrick Henry, and you know, to that I say this: keep in mind who the head coach of the Tennessee Titans was when they drafted Derrick Henry. It was Matt Lafleur. So let's keep all of that in mind. So um, for now, we'll just assume Roger stays put which I think is the most likely scenario. I don't see him going anywhere. It's more a theory, but it's just a way for me to explain how I don't think it's that crazy um, if you look below the surface. Um, so Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers stays put. Dylan, I believe, stands to gain a, a decent amount of touches based on the draft capital used in which to select him, which I think effectively spells the end of Jamal Williams as any fantasy-relevant player, uh, as a fantasy-relevant player. Now, he was hit or miss, and certainly when Jones got hurt, he gained more value, but I think the Packers understand what he is. He's not somebody who can step in for Aaron Jones and fill the shoes of a three-down workhorse back. So, I like this pick from a football standpoint much more than most people will from a fantasy standpoint, but it is what it is. I do think that Jones' value will take a hit here, at least to a degree. Uh, Aaron Jones is possibly an RB2, fringing on RB3, but I wouldn't bank on much more than that. Um, moving on to wide receiver, the fact that the pack did not take one in 2020 makes Devontae Adams a winner by default. I mean, he was already top five in my rankings. I am having a real hard time of keeping Adams out of my number one wide receiver ranking overall. Um, I still like Michael Thomas, but there is definitely an argument to be made for Adams. So, um, We'll see how my rankings play out over the next few weeks, and Adams might just find himself as the wide receiver one. So the Lions, speaking of fantasy relevance, took a running back early in DeAndre Swift, and in many people's mind, mine included, Swift was the most talented running back in the draft class. Now, I do like Jonathan Taylor a lot, and it's 1A, 1B, so, you know, I'm not trying to compare apples to oranges here, but... 
Swift joins a backfield that only has Carrion Johnson as any real threat to him. And Johnson has shown to be somewhat fragile over the past few years. Um, even when he was healthy, he mostly underwhelmed, in my opinion. So if you're a, in a keeper in Dynasty League, Swift should certainly be high on your radar because Carrion isn't long for this team. Uh, I don't think. So Swift could find himself in workhorse mode, depending on what Matt Patricia and company decide to do. As far as redraft leagues go, it gets a little bit more interesting. I believe he's worth a stash because if he starts the season behind Johnson, there is a better than good chance that there's an injury or a poor performance that would elevate Swift to a possible three-down role. Now, the Minnesota Vikings took wide receiver Justin Jefferson with their first pick in this year's draft, and Jefferson essentially replaces Stefan Diggs, who is now a Buffalo Bill. That shouldn't bring down the value of Adam Thielen, um, and it's certainly um, he should remain the number one threat for Kirk Cousins and company. Dalvin Cook will still be a big part of the passing game as well. And uh, the addition of Jefferson really negates anybody else in this offense from having any type of value. I honestly believe that. I'm not even mentioning names. Uh, with the exception of Kyle Rudolph, as he's always been, his name is sexier than his actual stat line would suggest. Rudolph is nothing more than a, tight, a touchdown-dependent tight end who honestly shouldn't be on your radar unless you're desperate and need somebody to plug and play. The Bears, they did the least in this division to improve their skilled positions, uh, at least as it relates to fantasy. They added a rookie tight end after saying goodbye to Trey Burton, but Jimmy Graham is already there and should see most of the targets out of the tight end position. Uh, Allen Robinson, a huge winner. Not only did the Bears not select any high-end wide receiver, they upgraded their quarterback via trade as they acquired Nick Foles. So I think Foles is a better option. Allen Robinson is extremely talented, and he has always performed. Uh, stock up on Robinson. Uh, Anthony Miller may also get some looks here as well. I don't think he's anything special by any stretch, but uh, worth a look as I, I believe the number two in this offense. David Montgomery will continue to offer his mediocre value in the backfield, along with the complementary role of Tariq Cohen, who, even if he's electric, he's nothing more than a PPR dart throw at this point. The Dallas Cowboys. Uh, well, they surprised everybody by taking C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, with their first pick. They didn't need a wide receiver. No, uh, Nobody saw this coming. But my immediate thought here was, man, does this suck for Michael Gallup. I feel that Amari Cooper's value will also take a hit, but we knew what he was. He's a highly inconsistent high-end wide receiver, too, and he can win you a week here and there, and, and he could single-handedly blow up your season. So that's Amari Cooper. Gallup, on the other hand, was on my list of breakouts prior to the draft. Um, I was targeting him in every uh, every draft or every mock draft I was doing. And especially with the emergence of Dak Prescott as a top-tier quarterback last season, I thought the sky was the limit for Gallup. Um, now there's the threat of Dak holding out looming. There's the addition of C.D. Lamb in place. So now I'm at a point where I, I'm going to have to take a step back before I even consider any of these options in the receiving core of the Dallas Cowboys. This also nullifies, at least in my mind, the tight end position. Now, I was eyeing Blake Jarwin as a possible late-round steal this season. Uh, well, so much for that. Way to go, Jerry Jones. Nice job. Uh, typical 
jeeriness coming out of Dallas. Um, now, I mentioned Bres- Dak Prescott. If he signs or if he's good to go and plays a full season, he is a clear winner with the addition of such a talented downfield weapon. Um, so Dak is, is definitely a winner, as is Ezekiel Elliott. Um, as he will uh, see, he won't see stacked boxes with a with an offense that has three talented wide receivers on it. So, um, as far as Prescott goes, I believe his price is going to be too rich for my blood. I do expect him to have a really good season with all of these weapons, but I'm not a fan of taking a quarterback that early. In fact, I incorporate more of a zero quarterback strategy, which I'll go over when we go over draft strategies later on in the draft season. Next, we have the Philadelphia Eagles, who also took a wide receiver in the first round. The big difference here is that Philadelphia actually needed wide receiver help. They snagged Jalen Rager out of TCU with their first pick, and uh, Rager joins a wide receiver core that does have some talent, but with uh, much age and they are prone to, uh, to injuries. And of course, I'm talking about Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. Now, they added Marquise uh, Goodwin, as I mentioned earlier. That's negligible. That's for depth. I really don't consider that anything. So I feel that Rager actually has a chance to step into some value here, especially if Djax or Jeffrey get hurt. Um, all the other wide receivers on this team are pretty much losers, in my opinion. Um, now, they took a quarterback, curiously enough, with their second pick in Jalen Hurts, and I love what the Eagles did with this. Um Yes, I, I, I realize that Carson Wentz is there, but he has shown that he is injury prone and in I believe he's overrated. That's a discussion for another podcast that I'll get into. I'm not as high on Carson Wentz as the world. So that's fine. I'll I'll stand on my island. I've been proven right so far. And I think when the smoke clears, you'll see that it would it would be a waste to get him as early as he's going. But Again, that's a story for another time. I think Philadelphia intends to use Hertz as more of a slash-type player, uh, doing different things out of the backfield, maybe as a receiver, maybe as a running back. And this brings me to another guy who I feel is a loser with this draft, and that is, um, of course, Miles Sanders, who, for some ungodly reason, is... Uh, the bell of the ball, as it seemed. I mean, people were gushing last year and looking for a way to get him in there and talking about him like he was Barry Sanders reincarnated. Give me a break. I've seen enough film on him to know he's nothing special. And yeah, sure, he's the number one guy for this Philly offense. What does that prove? What has that been for fantasy in recent history? When is the last guy, uh, when, when is the last time that Philadelphia has had a guy that has been fantasy relevant every single week out of the running back position. It doesn't happen, folks. Uh, You could take Miles Sanders at 6, 7, 8 overall or take him in the first or second round. You can have him all day, every day. Not me. I am not going to be suckered in by the Philadelphia Eagles and the way that they play their, uh, the way that they utilize their fantasy players. All right, so the Washington Redskins, I want to spend a second just talking about the their first pick, second overall, and that's Chase Young. He will be an immediate improvement for the Skins on defense. He is an absolute game changer. Since it doesn't affect fantasy all that much, I'm not going to spend any more time than that, but I really, really love the pick. Perfect job. That, that really gives them credibility uh, on the defense. 
They did, however, add a wide receiver slash running back um, in Antonio Gibson out of Memphis with their second round pick. And there's been a lot of speculation as to how the Skins are going to use um, Gibson. Now, Washington's new head coach, uh, Ron Rivera, who used to be here in Carolina, has uh, compared Gibson's skill set to that of Christian McCaffrey. Now, I know, I know, easy. I'm not comparing uh, Gibson in any way, shape, or form to CMC. But it does give you some indication on how Washington foresees um, the usage of Gibson and what role he might play on that team. So as right as of right now, make no mistake about it. The Redskins have far too many running backs for any of them to really matter. Um, now that could change, and I hope that that does. Uh, before the draft, you were looking at some combination, including Darius Geis, of course, Adrian Peterson, and then they added Peyton Barber. Uh, formerly of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and J.D. McKissick is also on hand to kind of fill that Chris Thompson role, uh, catching passes on third down. The addition of Gibson kind of muddies those waters and really changes the dynamic. I expect either Peterson or Barber to be cut, maybe both of them, which I hope would give a healthy, again, I hope, Darius Geis, the full reins in the backfield. I would love to see what this kid could do if he's healthy and given a full season. Um, as far as McKissick goes, he'll, he'll still have a role. And if they have a guy like Gibson who can do it all, then that changes the whole way that they uh, incorporate their offense. So um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I really do hope that Geis is good to go and gets the lion's share of the carries. We will see. Um, the biggest winner of anybody on the Redskins is Terry McLaurin as the Redskins did add a wide receiver in the fourth round in Antonio Gandy-Golden. that's he, At most, he'll op- operate on the other side, opposite McLaurin, in this uh, Washington passing attack. So McLaurin's still the number one go-to guy uh, for Haskins. Now, the New York Giants had what I think is one of the better drafts of anybody in 2020 by drafting not one, not even two, but three offensive linemen with their first five picks. Obviously, the winners here are Daniel Jones and, of course, Saquon Barkley. I am very interested to see what a healthy Barkley can accomplish running behind a an offensive line that actually functions. Sure, there's going to be speed bumps and growing pains as they're going to be young, but as I mentioned... Uh, you improve and and allow this talented running back who is now hopefully healthy to be able to get beyond the line of scrimmage easier and into the open field where he is extremely dangerous. Barkley, stock up with the addition of the offensive line. Um, Of course, Daniel Jones, uh, I, I mentioned that as well. He has more time to get the ball out to the weapons in the receiving core. So Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, and even Darius Slayton, all winners here, especially Slayton as the Giants did not grab any receivers in this year's draft. Now we'll head out west and talk about the 49ers. Uh, San Francisco added Brandon Ayuk in the first round um, as a wide receiver to play opposite emerging superstar Debo Samuel. Um, as the Niners really look to make another Super Bowl run in 2020, their defense got better, their offense seems to have gotten better, so... 
we'll see what happens. But they, they have to be the NFC favorite right now uh, to make it back to the Super Bowl, if not win it. Uh, Samuel, George Kittle, they're winners um, because I think adding another option for Jimmy Garoppolo in this offense only helps them. Jimmy G, as I mentioned, he's a winner too, having another uh, talented target out there in his stable. Um, the clear loser is Dante Pettis. And of course, by now you're probably saying who? Because he's all but forgotten, and rightfully so. He's not going to really matter um, in this uh, in this offense. So um, the draft day trade of Matt Breida, well, that helps Raheem Mostert, I think, more than Tevin Coleman. And uh, the decision not to pick up any more running backs also helps Mostert. Mostert is younger and, I believe, more talented than Tevin Coleman. There are a lot of people out there that believe Tevin Coleman is the guy that's going to be not a workhorse, but at least grab the reins. He didn't do that in Atlanta when he had more than enough chances. I don't think he's going to do it here. Presumably, Jarek McKinnon will rejoin the backfield. Um, I'll believe that one when I see it. Um, I'm not banking on that. In fact, I'd be shocked if it happens. And Jeff Wilson, we're not even going to talk about that. Um, That's he's just a guy. So the Rams, they replaced Todd Gurley by drafting Cam Akers out of Florida State. There's no doubt Akers has the ability to be a third down back in this uh, Rams offense, just like Gurley was. And many folks uh, really are ranking him as though Sean McVay is going to use him that way. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Maybe this coaching staff actually learned something when they saw what happened with Todd Gurley when they leaned on him too much. Darrell Henderson is still there and he shows glimpses that he could put up decent numbers um, and Malcolm Brown is a guy who knows this offense and is trusted by the coaching staff so with all three of them in the mix there's no way to really ascertain how they're going to be used I expect Akers to get most of the touches but I would treat this as a, a pure running back by committee system um, if I have my choice I'm avoiding this Rams backfield altogether. Now up in Seattle, Pete Carroll and company added a running back of their own in DJ Dallas out of Miami. Now, Rashad Penny is still recovering from a torn ACL. Chris Carson, although he's set to return and be healthy, he had a hip injury that ended his season last year. And Carson is also set to be a free agent after the year. So this makes complete sense from a football standpoint. Carson will still be the starter, provided he's healthy. And uh, he's coming off a pretty good season before getting hurt. So there's no reason to believe that the Seahawks will move away from Carson at all. In fact, I think they'll lean on him more and more as he's in a walk year. The loser in this really is Penny, who... Uh, at, at least this season, may be slow to come back, may not be fully healthy at the beginning of the season, and even if he is ready to go, they may decide to ease him in slower and give Dallas the shot early on to uh, to spell Chris Carson. And if he comes in and does a, a, even a, a, an average job, that could spell the end of Rashad Penny at least for 2020. The Cardinals, well, they didn't add any player on offense via the draft, at least nobody skilled. So uh, the winners here 
are Kenyon Drake, of course, who has no real competition in the backfield. Christian Kirk, I believe, is a winner as well, as he is the number two option in this offense. I, I realize that Larry Fitzgerald is still there, but he's a slot receiver, and he's a, a year older. Christian Kirk is emerged as a talented, fast wide receiver with good hands. I think he'll be a very good complement to DeAndre Hopkins um, in this improving offense uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. And we're going to wrap up things in the NFC South, where... Uh, perhaps the biggest splash of all signings was made when Tom Brady signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They also added a running back in the draft in uh, by selecting Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. Now, this hurts Ronald Jones a little bit. I expect Vaughn to have a role, um, even if Bruce Arians is not known for utilizing his rookies right away. I mean, he took David Johnson also in the third round when he was in Arizona, and he had Johnson running kicks back. So uh, now by no means am I comparing the two. Uh, Johnson is better than Vaughn uh, in, in all aspects of the game. But um, and, and the Bucks did take a running back later in the draft, Raymond Calais, who Arians referred to as, and I quote, David Johnson light. Um, I would call Rojo a loser here. I don't think he's a big loser. I still think he will have that first and second down role. But if you're in a PPR league, which most of you I hope are, you might want to look elsewhere, especially for a running back two to your running back one. Now, the New Orleans Saints, they were interesting in that they added a tight end and a quarterback, but neither were very high picks. So I don't think that any of the players are going to be impacted by this. Certainly no quarterback taken is going to affect Drew Brees. And I really do believe that Jared Cook is firmly entrenched there as the number one option, tight end-wise. So not really much to speak about there. Um, fire up Kamara. Fire up Michael Thomas. You can definitely invest in Sanders as a wide receiver, too, type player. And Latavius Murray is an interesting um, late-round guy that you can put in there as a flex in some leagues, in some situations. Atlanta, another team that really did nothing to change the outlook of their players. They added Todd Gurley via free agency before the draft. And with no other real pieces in that backfield, I really think that Gurley, uh, his stock rose. So I call him a winner just by the fact that Atlanta did not put a a running mate in the backfield with him. Um, I believe him to be the workhorse for as long as they need him to be. And I expect him to catch a lot of passes, just as Devontae Freeman did last year on a very down year. Um, Julio, Ridley, fire them up. They're ready to go. The Carolina Panthers, another team that did not really add anything on the offensive side of the ball as far as skill positions go. Um, However, they did sign Robbie Anderson before the draft as a downfield threat, which I think helps DJ Moore. So CMC, not that he's a winner because nobody was going to replace him at all, but now they really don't have anybody else in that backfield. So he should see the workload that he saw last year. Well, that's going to do it for the NFC draft recap. I do plan on getting the website up and running, hopefully within the next few weeks. I will post rankings, projections, and some articles that will help you uh, preparing for the upcoming fantasy football draft season. I would like to also announce that the Know-It-All Fantasy Football Podcast is international. That's right. There is a listenership in the country of France. A huge thank you and a shout out. Um, I I would definitely love to hear from you. So um, I'm very interested in how the 
NFL and, and the fantasy football world is being received in France. So please shoot me an email at ffknowitall at gmail.com. I would definitely love to uh, love to hear from you. And as always, a huge thank you to everyone who listens and lets me run off at the mouth. Um, I definitely appreciate it and all of the feedback, ideas, discussions, and, and conversations that follow each show. Um, they are near and dear to my heart. So I want to hear from each and every one of you. So uh, I gave the email address. I'll give it again. It's ffknowitall at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at ffknowitall. And remember, everybody, we are all in this thing together. So COVID-19 or no COVID-19, you guys keep doing all that you can do to dominate everything in your lives. Till next time, guys, I'll see you. Never forget the day